stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo just to talk about how you could be a better investor in 2024. And it is the first week of 2024, and this is my favorite time of the year for investing. Why is that? Because, well, the calendar has changed, we can all start fresh, and it's fun to look for new stock ideas. Maybe our old ones were working from 2023. Maybe they didn't. Maybe we just want to uh, confirm some of the things we think about with our current stock positions. But this is a time where you can reflect back on what went right and what went wrong in the prior year. And again, to look for some new ideas. That's what I like about the change in the calendar it's a time to get some fresh new names and maybe some new ideas that maybe you didn't consider in the last year. And so that's what I want to look at on today's episode. This is also being recorded as a video podcast, and I am going to share some of uh, the Zax.com screens, some charts with some of these stocks that I'm going to talk about. But first, How do we become a better investor here in 2024? I thought I would consult with, uh, you know, two of the best investors in the world, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger did just pass away in December of 2023 at the age of 99, Um, but his legacy will live on. And I came across an article from Business Insider over the holiday break about Charlie's investment style, but not when he was with Warren Buffett. His investment style when he was helping the Daily Journal with their investments. So some of you may or may not know, but he was basically the uh, investment advisor for the Daily Journal since 2009. So according to the Business Insider, he took over the portfolio for this daily journal um, in 2009 in February. So that was right before the bottom of the stock market in the great financial crisis, which was in March. So things were pretty dicey and not looking good in February 2009 when he took it over. So the portfolio at the time was $20.4 million. And Um, as of September 30th of this year, so at the end of the third quarter, that portfolio was worth $303 million. So from $20.4 million to $303 million, and it had $138 million in unrealized gains. Now, how did he do it? This is what we want to know, because this might help us to become better investors He believed in uh, concentration. So you don't need 50 or 100 stocks in a portfolio to be successful, especially if you're Charlie Munger and you have an idea of what it is you really want to buy and own and you're trying to buy those good companies. So he had just eight companies at one point in in, in this portfolio over the 13 or almost 14 years when he ran it. And these were like, well-known names. He owned Bank of America in there. He owned Wells Fargo. He also owned uh, BYD. That's the Tesla rival over in China. 
And the Business Insider said he originally put $3.3 million into BYD, and he actually cashed it out in late 2021. So basically at the height of kind of the big uh, pandemic boom period, he cashed it out. So he put in $3.3 million, cashed it out at $50 million at the end there. So that was great timing. Um, that's one thing that good investors do know how to do. And I've done podcasts on when, when do you know how to sell? Um, and so that's a good example of, uh, he knew, he knew when it was kind of like, a you know, uh, pretty hot, red hot, and the rest of the market was pretty hot and he didn't get as greedy and cashed it in. Um, so just looking at Munger for an example, he mainly stuck to these bigger, well-known names. He did get in at low valuations because he was a value investor. And then he held them uh, until the valuations or the timing was right to sell and get out. And so that's how he was able to outperform. But what about Warren Buffett himself and the Berkshire por portfolio? I think we can learn a lot just by even just looking at it. So Buffett's Berkshire uh, Hathaway portfolio has 52 stocks, so quite a bit more than uh, Munger's did. And that is despite both of them believing that you should be overweighted in uh, certain equities. You should not have 50 or 100 stocks, but he has 52, right? So he's kind of breaking his own rules. But when you actually look at his portfolio, it's very heavily concentrated, even more so than what most of us, uh, you know, mere mortals would do with our portfolios. So the five top positions at Berkshire are Apple, Bank of America, American Express, Coke, and then Chevron. Those are the top five. And combined, there's 79.7% of the equity portfolio or almost 80% just in those five positions. So mostly the rest of the portfolio, I hate to say this, doesn't really matter for the overall returns of the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. All that matters is those top five because they make up such a big chunk. And obviously the biggest chunk is Apple. We know the ticker AAPL. And it makes up now 50.2% of the portfolio um, as of the last quarter's filings. So 50.2% just in Apple alone. Some might say that could be risky, right? 50% of your entire portfolio is in one position. Bank of America has always been number two for the last number of years, and it's at 9.1% now. American Express is at 73 Coke is at 7.2 and then Chevron rounding it up at about 6% of the total. Chevron's the only new recent addition to the top five. And the top five has kind of changed over the years, but it's back to being um, an energy position. And that has been in the top five the last like two and a half, three years, perhaps now for Chevron. But as I mentioned, it doesn't really matter what's in the rest of the portfolio. Um, he even owns another Magnificent Seven stock. It gets overlooked a lot because everyone is focused on his big winner in Apple. But he does own Amazon in this portfolio. Surprise, he's an Amazon shareholder. Um, but 
uh, even with that, it's such a small position. It's just 0.4 in the portfolio. It's not even 1% that it doesn't really matter what Amazon is doing. So Buffett has said in the past himself that you could own as few as three stocks and be diverse enough in those three stocks. Now for us, again, mere mortals, I really probably wouldn't be just in three stocks because that seems a little riskier to me because I'm not Warren Buffett. But um, financial experts have taken a look at this and what causes you know diversity, and they have come to the conclusion it's usually between 10 and 20 stacks. But once you start going over 20, you do tend to have more dilution in your portfolio. So even like a big winner doesn't do you that much. Um, so, you know, that would be like, uh, owning Tesla in some kind of, uh, fund or even in your own portfolio when you have 50 or a hundred other stocks in there. And maybe you bought Tesla five or six years ago, but it was much more of an equal position in your overall portfolio. It probably hasn't moved the needle as much as you might think because you simply have, uh, just too many stocks. And it dilutes the greatness of a Tesla run that we just saw. So taking a look at Amazon in the Buffett portfolio, he bought it in the first quarter of 2019. And we know it was bought by one of the lieutenants. And um, let's take a look at what what uh, Amazon looks like, because I think most people assume, especially with the good year last year in 2023, that you know, Amazon has been running like, uh, you know, wildfire other than 2022 when the Magnificent Seven did pull back, but now it's back and it's had this great run over the last number of years, but it really hasn't. <laughs> so um, I'm going to look on sax.com. I'm going to look at the interactive charts actually, because these are kind of interesting and we can do an easy five-year. I like to look at it as a line chart on there. So I just changed it into a line chart, and I'm going to change it into the five-year. And you can kind of see here what, what I mean by it's a little misleading to say Amazon has been crushing it over the longer periods, because this is the five-year chart. It is up higher over the five years. I'm going to put in... Um, Let's put in the triple Qs because that's what most people would probably also own if they owned Amazon, everyone except Warren Buffett. And so I put in the triple Qs and you can see that's in orange. Amazon is in blue. Amazon's up 90% now over the last five years. The triple Qs up 157.89% or 0.9. So uh, that's a bigger outperformance there. But 90%, that doesn't sound too bad. How does that compare to the S&P 500? Because many of us just kind of by default own the S&P. And I'm going to look at the Vanguard S&P 500. I'm going to use that. VOO is the ticker there. And it's almost identical. VOO over the five years is up 87.3%. Amazon at 90.2. And the triple Qs at 157.9. So... Um, you're not, you know, Amazon right in line basically with the S&P 500, but I don't think that that's what most people are thinking when they think about Amazon. And this is also why it's in the Berkshire portfolio, although they did sell a little bit of it for the first time in the third quarter of 2023. 
We still don't have the fourth quarter transactions yet by any of these big funds or the hedge funds. That's not out yet and won't be until 45 days uh, into 2024. But uh, looking at the third quarter, they did sell a little bit of this position. But this isn't really going to move the needle. It's not going to make uh, Berkshire outperform the S&P 500 because it's basically performing at it. And it's such a small position in his overall portfolio that, you know, it's not really um, going to move the needle on your portfolio. Now, I own Amazon in my own individual portfolio and I bought it in, I want to say 2016. So it's a little bit um, better performance over that amount of time period. But I've been aware as an owner that it has not been performing all that great um, compared to what you think it would do. But last year's rally was a nice rally. So I'll take that. Now, meanwhile, over this five-year period, I'm going to put on this chart what um, Buffett's other Big Mag 7 holding is, Apple. And you're going to see that one is now up 400% over the five-year so is this luck? Is it, you know, just his skill at picking? Or is it because when he bought Apple, it was trading under 10 times forward earnings when he bought it in 2016? And when he bought Amazon, it was not that cheap. And even today, Amazon trading at 42 times still its forward earnings and Apple at around 30 times its forward earnings. So some of that might be reflected in the overall um, returns on these two stocks by this value investor grade. And so maybe Buffett is having the last laugh by saying, um, you know, when they bought Amazon, he said it was a value. He said the lieutenant would tell us why, but we never really heard why. <laughs> but they, they did not sell until the third quarter of 2023 any of that position, even though it remains quite small. Um, some of the other, if you're thinking about luck versus skill, um, Alphabet's five-year return is 166%, so right around the triple Q level. Uh, Meta Platforms, also similar, up 165%. Uh, Microsoft outperforming, though, at up 274%. NVIDIA, up huge, up 1,380%. And then Tesla, also a big up 1,016% over this five-year period. So a luck does play a big role, but so does concentration. What if Berkshire had been concentrated in the Amazon position at 50% and Apple had been at 0.4%? Would have been a big flip in his portfolio. And in fact, his portfolio would likely be underperforming the S&P 500 instead of outperforming, which is what it's been doing over the last several years. So concentration plays a big role in how you, um, you know, come out in your investing. So in 2024, you might want to look at your portfolio, look at how many positions you have. Is it uh, hurting you or helping you? to have the number of positions that you have. And most people, you know, once you get up to 50 or even 100 stocks, it's very hard to manage a portfolio to even keep track of what's going on in those companies. 
on, you know, a quarterly basis um, when you have that many. So, you know, there, there might be a chance for you to call that group down to something that's more manageable and to get a little bit more concentration in your portfolio so that maybe you might be able to outperform. But the new year really gives you uh, the opportunity to look at it with a fresh perspective and to figure out what are the top, top companies, which are the ones that have rising earnings estimates, how is management performing, what does the outlook look like for the next several years, is the growth there that you want it to be? Is it overvalued here? And maybe you should take a little bit of profit off off if you have the profit. Um, there's all these factors being played in. So in 2023, and a lot of these podcasts, I talked about Walgreens Boots Alliance, ticker WBA. And I'm going to put it, it into this chart so that you can kind of just see what this stock is doing and it's a Zach's number four right now. So um, that's not really surprising. I've talked about Walgreens Boots on several episodes because it has the big dividend, still yielding 7.2%. And it was hitting new multi-year lows throughout most of 2023. This is, um, let's do a one-year chart on it. So this is the one-year you can see it's had a big rally off those lows finally in November into December, finally had that rally. But if you look out further to the five year, it's just been down, 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 a few mini rallies in there, but down, down, down. They um, haven't cut the dividend. Like I said, it's still yielding 7.2%, but the CEO did leave. They're getting a new CEO in there. And there is a lot of questions surrounding the future of this business model for Walgreens Boots Alliance. And these are things, these are questions you should be asking to start the new year. So um, need to be asking that. Also, you might want to look at some that have had massive rallies like NVIDIA with the AI edge. Can that continue in 2023? Look at maybe you own Deckers with its Hoka shoe. That's red hot. And those shares have been hitting new highs. Uh, what's going on there? Uh, you should maybe just check in and see what's going on there. Um, but I wanted to look at some new ideas for 2024, maybe ones you don't already own. So where do I get those new ideas? I went to the Zach's number one rank strong buy list. These are uh, 227 stocks as of today, January 2nd, 2024, that have the strong buy ranking. So these are kind of rare. We track thousands of companies and only 227 now have this rank as we're heading into this new year and into this next earnings season. So I looked at the list. I picked out five names that I knew had been red hot. So we can take a look and see kind of what's happening with these stocks. Why do they have the Zach's number one rank? And uh, maybe there are stocks to keep on your watch list for this year. So the first one I pulled out was the CBOE. CBOE is the ticker. And let's take a look at um, on the video podcast. And I will talk about what we're seeing here on the regular podcast, on the audio version. Um, we're going to look at just what's happening with the earnings estimates. So I'm going to look at the detailed estimates. 
So I went to the quote overview to start and you can see forward PE is at 22 times. So it's not dirt cheap for this stock. Does pay a dividend yielding 1.2%. So not, you know, crazy high, but you do get something for owning CBOE. And I'm going to look at the detailed estimates now, and I'm scrolling down just to kind of get a, an angle on why is this a number one. And you can see for this year, well, now last year, 2023, six estimates are up in the last 60 days, but 2024, which is a lot where this the rank is looking at 2024 now, six are up in the last 60 days, but also three in the last 30 days. That's pretty bullish expecting about 6% earnings growth over this year, which is up about 9.5%. So that's pretty nice. And what does this look like on the charts? I love the price and consensus charts. So we're going to take a look at that. You can click on it. Wow. Interesting price and consensus chart. This is what you want to see. It's going from the left to the right year over year. It's five years of data. And the next couple of years, 2024, 2025, also expected to be higher. The stock has also gone from the left to the right and is now at new five-year highs as well. But trading at 22 times, like I said, that's not super pricey, but it's not altogether cheap either. But I'm liking this price and consensus chart. This is a good way to start off 2024. This is why I want to look at the number one rank stacks. Okay, so that's CBO. E Global Markets, CBOE is the ticker. The next one I wanted to look at was um, Adidas. Now, this is a five ticker stock because it's foreign and it's ADDYY. Um, got the number one rank. I just looked at the quote page. PE is at 46. Wow. Dividend is 0.2. But shoes have been hot. Adidas did have the um, Kanye West shoes. Those have gone away. That was a little bit rocky for them for a while. But are they going to come out of that? We need to look at the detailed earnings to see something must be going on here for it to have the number one rank. Okay, so 2023, um, I see two are actually down in the last 60 days. And earnings expected to be down 124% in 2023. That's not surprising because, as I just mentioned, it was a bit rocky year for them. Uh, but the returning back to earnings growth for 2024 up 1,462% from a loss of $0.16 cents to $2.18 is the new estimate. And two are higher in the last 60 days. So, again, the analysts are getting more bullish on Adidas. What does this chart look like? I'm looking at the price and consensus, my favorite chart. And, um, oh, wow, so interesting. Not as bullish as a CBOE. And you can see where their problems were in 2022 and 2023. Earnings estimates came way down. But we also see the recovery period here now, um, right here, 2024, and even in 2025. So, but the stock isn't cheap on a PE basis, still again trading at what did I say, 46 times earnings above 40, so not real cheap. But this is one of those big branded companies. And so it's worth keeping this one on your watch list too, as these earnings are turning around. So that's Adidas, ticker A D D Y Y. 
Um, okay, the third stock is one I know has been a big winner, and it still remains the Zach's number one rank. I think it was a number one rank for almost all of last year. I didn't look to confirm that, but I've written about it several times for top stock picks of the week, and it's Elf Beauty, um, ticker ELF. They've been beating and raising nearly every quarter. In fact, let's just look at that earnings surprise chart because I'm pretty sure they kept it going. Yeah, it's all green on there going back to 2020. There's just one miss in 2020. So big green arrows. And the stock did sell off here a bit in 2023. I missed that sell off. That maybe was a buying opportunity because now it's taken off again and is back to new highs. But this one has not been cheap in a while, even though it's beating and raising those earnings estimates. This is not a value stock. You're buying it simply as a growth stock, and that's fine. Um, but on the detailed estimates pages, it also tells us the PE, and we got a PE of 53 times here. Um, that's, that's pretty expensive for most stocks. But you got this powerhouse earnings growth. So uh, fiscal 2024, we're still in the midst of that. Um, it ends in a couple of weeks here, up 62% on the earnings side and up 17% again for next year. And this must mean, yes, analysts are getting a little bullish again. Last 30 days, we've had one raise for this year and one for next year. So they're seeing some good trends maybe in the beauty category over the holidays, Ulta, uh, recently reported, and it was seeing the good trends too. So that could be an impetus for an analyst to be raising ELF as well. And so this is why it's got the Zach's number one rank. Let's see on that price and consensus. I already know this chart is crazy because I have looked at it, but um, here we go. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but it looks like CEO, CBOE left to right and it's going up. And then it's even got this big spike in 2025. So the analysts are still really bullish on ELF. It's just a matter of what price are you willing to pay to get it? Some got in here on the sell-off in 2023, but uh, can it keep this new momentum at this new high? We will see. Then I'm going to switch it over to tech side. Software was huge in... Um, 2023, because it sold off in 2022, we had a big rebound in the software companies and Palantir was one of them. It's the number one again. And this one, not cheap either. Forward PE here of 58, but everybody's kind of expecting that out of a lot of the software stocks. It does have an interesting peg ratio that's actually pretty cheap at 0.98. And a peg under one usually means it has both growth and value. So I'm expecting these earnings to be pretty red hot. Let's take a look at the detailed earnings. And um, looking down, yes, the analysts are raising as you would expect off of a number one. So in the last 60 days, five are higher for this year. Well, 2023, five are higher for 2024 as well. We have huge earnings growth for 2023, 316%, and another 18% expected for 2024. Just making 25 cents in 2023 and 29 cents in 2024. That's uh, also why maybe the stock is fairly expensive on a PE basis. Uh, investors are willing to pay a lot for these earnings right now. So that's why the stock has been red hot. Let's take a look at that price and consensus. It is up off the low, the shares, 
But the low wasn't in October. It was way back in the beginning of, of 2023. And then, you know, has peaked, come down a little bit, but still pretty bullish here on Palantir. And then here's the earnings. Uh, 2023 up and to the right, 2024 and then 2025, looking better than the 2022 decline that we'll see. We'll see this in a lot of the tech stocks. 2022, as we know, a lot of the earnings pulled back that year, but looking a lot more bullish here. There's been no recession. Things are turning around and we're seeing this better earnings outlook with a lot of these. So this is Palantir. And on their website, they call themselves the foundational software of tomorrow. Palantir, P-L-T-R is that ticker. And then I'm going to wrap it up with a favorite of the pandemic, um, Shopify. This was the one that many of us said, oh, if only I'd gotten in it, but I missed it. And then it it took a dive in 2021 and 2023 or 2022. Uh, Shopify, number one. PE on this one, you knew it wasn't going to be cheap, and it's not. It's at 75 times right now, no dividend. Let's take a look at those detailed earnings estimates. How is it getting the number one rank again? Because it was not always at that rank. Um, okay, so yes, of course, over the last 60 days, two are higher for 2023, but three are higher for 2024. Also, one analyst bullish in the last month. One is up for both years in the last month. And then we really see the turnaround in 2023 up 1,650% from just $0.04 a year ago to $0.70 a share. And then we're getting 104 for 2024. That's the current estimate, up 48%. So that's a little more of a calm rebound there for 2024, a nice rebound. And let's look and see what that looks like on the price and consensus. Um, price and consensus. Okay. So this is looking a lot like Palantir. So we had the big sell-off in 2022 and then it's to the, up and to the right for 2023, 2024, as I just mentioned, and also 2025 is looking higher as well on this data on the price and consensus chart. These shares are up off the lows there, um, but not anywhere near those 2021 highs. So ways to go before it gets back there. But uh, if you were lamenting that you miss getting into Shopify, shares may be a little bit cheaper here as we go into 2024. So it might be nice to keep this one on your watch list as well. So those are some five sacks. Number one, strong buy stocks in a bunch of different industries. And you can see just by going over those five even just listening to me talk about these charts and what's happening with the earnings and the estimates being revised higher, you can see how those are Zach's number one strong buys. That's how the Zach's rank system works. It looks for those rising earnings estimates. Um, and then the rank moves higher because something must be going on if a bunch of analysts covering the same company all are getting bullish at the same time. Conversely, the same thing might be said about the strong sells, the number fives, 
where all of them are cutting at the same time, what is going on that they're all cutting. But we want to focus on the positive here in 2024, and we want to know what companies have this better earnings outlook. Now, remember, the number ones are only 227 of them when I ran that screen um, right here to start 2021. It usually averages around 215 to 240, give or take, somewhere in there. Out of thousands of stocks, we cover over 4,000 stocks on the Zacks rank. So these are the pretty rare creatures that are out there. So I like to use the rank as a starting point to look for good stocks with the rising earnings estimates. It is a short-term recommendation, just one to three months, because when they report their next earnings, they're going to tell us something else. They're going to you know, give a different outlook. Um, and update their guidance or whatnot. So the rank can change and it can change daily. So, uh, you know, use it as a short-term gauge to find good quality companies that you can track, you can keep an eye on if you're a long-term investor or if you're trading it on the short-term, even better, then it's a very good, useful tool for the shorter-term trades. So let me recap all the stocks I talked about on this episode um, and, you know, give out thanks to... Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett for all of their great lessons over the years on how to be a better investor, because that's what we're trying to be here to start 2024. And a couple of the stocks that are in the Berkshire portfolio is Amazon, ticker AMZN, uh, that I own in my own personal portfolio. Apple, ticker AAPL, is also in Berkshire. And then I mentioned Decker's. With the Hoka shoes, that's pretty hot, ticker D-E-C-K. We also mentioned NVIDIA, um, ticker N-V-D-A on that one. Uh, but then on the five stocks we talked about that were Zach's number one ranks that aren't the Magnificent Seven, uh, C-B-O-E is just C-B-O-E. Adidas is A, D is in David, D is in David, Y-Y. It is five letters, A-D-Y-Y, A-D-D. YY. <laughs> Let me get that right. Five letters. A-D-D-Y-Y. Then we had Elf Beauty. Um, that's been red hot even in 2023. Ticker E-L-F. Then we had Palantir. Ticker P-L-T-R on the software side. And then Shopify. Helping new businesses to grow. Ticker S-H-O-P. And as always, I'm going to be bringing you stocks all year long here on the Market Edge. So be sure to get us. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You can also get us and get these video podcasts on our Zach's account on Zach's.com slash YouTube. Go over to YouTube to watch the video podcasts there. And as always, I'll be having guests on all year long as well. I have a couple lined up to start this year. And so they'll be joining us as we move along here in January and throughout the year. So be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week on The Market Edge. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified 
identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.